Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I wanted to visit one of my favorite books of the Bible, 1 John, the epistle of 1 John. The Apostle John, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved, penned this epistle to the followers of Christ, whether to one churches or to a multiplicity of churches. uh, We don't know, but we know that it was written to Christians. And it is apparent from reading John's writing that he wanted his readers to pay attention to the teachings that were inconsistent with the authentic gospel. The rise of the Gnosis, which means knowledge, Gnosticism is a term that some of us are familiar with, and it's spelled G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M, and this term Gnosticism is dealing with the group that called themselves uh, the Gnostics. And again, is the Greek word for knowledge. And this group identified themselves as believers, but their doctrine was inconsistent with the authentic gospel that the Bible tells us about as well as the gospel that the followers of Christ, the people of the way were preaching. So Gnosticism uh, was creeping into the church that John wrote this letter to. Now Gnosticism viewed the physical world as evil. So as a result, they viewed even the physical body as evil. Now, if this is the case, then our preaching as Christians would be in vain because the hallmark of our faith as Christians is is rooted in the physical resurrection of the Savior. So since Gnostics argued against the reality of the physical body, their teachings were directly against or counter the sound doctrine that the apostles were trying to promote. So with them believing that the material world was evil, uh, that their bodies were evil, it diminishes the concept of the body that God wants us to have. Uh, We understand that we are to stand on the pure milk of the word. John writes this letter to rebuff the teachings and advancement of Gnostic teachings. We find his thesis in the uh, first clauses found in verse one. And as we enter into this epistle, we will find that John doesn't miss words. 
the apostle John is clear and his words are simple. And he cares about the church so much that he's not willing to compromise. He's not willing to please men rather than God. John writes that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. So John is basically saying that the, uh, the message that he's preaching, the message that has been preached, the message that has been delivered before, is the authentic message, not this new fad and not this new movement called Gnosticism who are preaching a gospel that's different than the gospel that God wants us to have. You may be asking, why is this relevant? Why is this important? It's important because God is interested in the correspondent's view of truth. When Jesus says that if you cannot see the father unless you come by me, John 14 and six, he's not saying that because uh, he has nothing else to say. He God really means it. When God says this is true, he wants us to embrace it as true. When God said this is false, he wants us to view it as false. So when we accept Christ, we come expecting the truth on God's terms, not our revisionist view of what truth is or what we think truth is. So from the beginning, the gospel had already been preached. It had been preached by uh, the good news. The kingdom of God had been preached by Christ. Then the good news concerning his resurrection was preached by Peter, preached by the other uh, apostles, including John. And he's warning the sheep. He's warning the cluster of Christians that he's pastor over about this new movement. Likewise, we as believers also have to be cautious and we must stand on the gospel that we received from the beginning. The gospel dealing with the ontology of God. The gospel dealing with the exclusive the exclusiveness of Christ in terms of his salvation and in terms of what he offers. There's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved by the, but by the name of Jesus. You can't uh, see the father through Buddha. You can't see the father through Confucius. You can't see the father through Muhammad you can't see the father through Gandhi. You can't see the father, but by the name of Jesus Christ. So from the beginning, that word that we received, that talked about the truthfulness of, of the salvation that he offers, the truthfulness of what it means to be a man, the truthfulness of what it means to be a woman, the truthfulness of what it means to be a husband, the truthfulness of what it means to be a wife and the truthfulness of what it means to be a child or to have parents. God offers clarity in all aspects of our life. 
And now we're living in an age where people feel as though they can create their own realities. They can create their own truth. They can redefine what marriage is. They can redefine what manhood is. They can redefine what womanhood is. And God is saying, no. The information that you received from the beginning, this is what I need you to hold on to. The information that's been deposited in the Bible is what I need you to hold on to. And when I teach uh, my workshops on truth, one of the things that I emphasize is that truth has no expiration date. Truth is not like milk. Truth does not expire. If it's true in the Old Testament and true in the New Testament, that truth still exists for truth comes out of God's nature. And since God is eternal, his truth is eternal. So we can't use the excuse that we don't like what the word of God has to say about this. So we're going to attack it. We're going to say uh, it's old fashioned. We're going to say this is no longer uh, relative to what we're doing today. We can't say that if God says lying is wrong in the Old Testament, lying is wrong today. Why? Because that principle is eternal. And if it's eternal, it has no start and end time. It flows out of the nature of God. So that which from the beginning, which is from the beginning, which we have heard. So John is saying, I've heard it. You have heard it. So he's not reminding his audience of the truth that they have from the beginning. That which was from the beginning, that message, which you have seen with our eyes. Again, the Gnostics were going around saying that it, uh, Jesus only appeared to have a body, that he didn't have a real body. So John is challenging this erroneous teaching, and he's saying, look, we have seen him with our own eyes. We've seen Jesus with our own eyes. We, we have witnessed the post-resurrected Christ. We saw him with our own eyes. And not only that, our hands handled him. And if we remember the post-resurrected Jesus, uh, when Thomas finally uh, came to his senses, he was able to say, my Lord and my God. Thomas was allowed to handle the Christ. Post-resurrected Christ ate and fellowship with his disciples. So when J uh, John says we were uh, able to handle him, uh, he's accurate. He's the word of life. Jesus is the one that gives life. So in the beginning, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Look how far God has brought us. And he has not left us. God has been with us since we first became Christians. God was with us when we were still on milk. And now some of us have gotten on meat. And unfortunately, we think we know more than God does. 
God has laid his script and he's not deviating from what he said in his word. Many churches are compromising on social issues today. Many churches have t- uh, decided to go to the left rather to the right. But Joshua reminds us, and I love the principle in Joshua, choose this day who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, I'm paraphrasing, we are going to worship God, the true and living God. So the things that we grew up on as Christians, and of course I'm assuming that what you grew up on was the truth. And if what you grew up on was the truth, we can't deviate from the truth. As we're living in times such as these, we have to not only embrace the truth, we have to hold on to the truth. Because there are those out in the secular world who would try to convince us that we are wrong and we can't have that happen. The doctor working in the insane asylum cannot start listening to the patients or the patient's view of reality when it's false. We have the serum for sin. We have the antidote for apathy. We, we have the answer for life's questions. And we as Christians cannot hold it to ourselves. We can't give it up and start embracing humanistic thinking alone. Verse 2. For the life was manifested. And we have seen it and bear witness. And show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. John here uh, gives an inference to the incarnation. And he states boldly his uh, historical fact. He said, look, we saw Jesus. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't an illusion. Jesus took on a real human body. He uh, filled up a human body. He took on a human body. And even though he added humanity, he lost no divinity. So Jesus fulfilled the kenosis effect, meaning that he took on a human body. And it doesn't mean that he stopped being God at all. So for the life was manifested and we have seen it. And even though Jesus is now walking physically with us right now, we have experienced his love and touch as Christians. We have experienced him listening to us by answering our prayers. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, testifies to the fact that what Jesus said is true, that he would believe him, but he would not leave us comfortless. So the reality of us having relationship with God by the uh, evidence of the Holy Spirit is that it corroborates what Jesus said. And we can't stop talking about it. We, 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 we can't stop telling others that Jesus is all that we need that that Jesus 
is the answer to the world's problems. But we have to believe it and we have to live out the creed so others may ask, why are you so different? Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. How beautiful would that be if we would declare unto others what God has done for us. Nobody can tell our story like we can. Whatever God is doing in your life or has done in your life, he didn't do it for you to close the chapter, for you to close the book. He wants you to tell it. He wants you to share with your family members. He he wants you to share with your spouse. He wants you to share it at church, and he wants you to share it outside of church. We were created to be spiritually attractive. God saved us that we may be used as instruments by him that others may come to him also. So we have to declare it that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And John clues us in on holy fellowship. This is the type of fellowship between God and you. And there's nothing better than to know that we are living in accordance to the will of the father. There's nothing better than to know that uh, we are doing our best to walk circumspect after godly ways. There's nothing better than that. And when we are obedient to sharing and defending the faith, when we are obedient to proclaiming the gospel, when we are obedient to adjusting our lifestyle to holiness, there are benefits that we receive from the father. We have a level of peace. That's a path all understanding when we are obedient. When we are obedient, God every now and then throws us something. And now that's what I love about our God is even when we haven't done all that we can. He loves us so much that he throws us something and, and he blesses us without us even expecting it. Verse four. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. And this is the declaration that John is writing to the Christian converts. This then is the message which we have heard of him. Again, he's talking about uh, hearing of the gospel, hearing about Jesus Christ and declare unto you that God is light. And numerous times uh, the apostle John uses this referent of light and in him is no darkness at all. God doesn't even have the potential for darkness. God is fully light. He's fully actual. So when we deal with God, he's dealing with us based on his nature and God has a criteria for how we approach him. He has a criteria for what joy uh, is all about and how we can receive joy if we do what we are supposed to do. Verse four, John again says, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. 
that our joy may be complete. And sometimes we want joy, but the reality is our joy may not be complete. So John is saying, if you want your joy, if you want to be full, full of joy, then declare, then testify, then tell others about the good news that Jesus came, died for their sins, and he wants them to accept him as Lord and Savior, and he wants to have a relationship with them. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Verse six. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now, every now and then when Christians are trying to preach the word of God in love, I'm not talking about uh, those who preach the word of God in a way to win arguments, in a way to show somebody up. We're not talking about those who preach the gospel for the wrong motive. But if we preach in the word of God, the way that God wants us to preach it, then invariably we are judging. The Bible tells us uh, not to judge, to condemn, but we can judge to assess whether or not an act is right or wrong. So my plea to you as you listen to this uh, message is that you're bold enough to share the gospel, that you're bold enough to tell others that Jesus lives and that you're bold enough to let them know that the same power that raised up Jesus Christ is the same power that's able to deliver them regardless of where they are. Well, we pray that God blesses you uh, and you're able to put these words into action. We've run out of time for this episode, but next episode is our uh, prayer that we're able to continue this epistle and adopt the principles into our lives so that our lives may be enriched and that our joy may be full. And if you're listening to Sound Reasoning, we pray that uh, you are moved to become a partner uh, that we may support this radio ministry and we can stay on air through your giving. So please consider becoming a financial partner for Sound Reasoning and we hope that you're willing to do for the truth what others do for a lie. May the Lord be with you and have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. 
I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.